0: Hello and welcome back or welcome to the Branded Podcast if it's your first time. So this week on the podcast we have Erica Hall. Now Erica Hall is a person who's really well versed in, I want to say research, but in, in reality it's just understanding... Uh, humans and understanding human behavior as it relates to design and business and product. And of course, um, brand, if you sort of layer that on top of all those things. So in the conversation, we get pretty deep into the weeds um, about research, really, and about understanding People and how to conduct research, and how to think about research questions, and why research is valuable, and how to do it, and where you should start, and when you should do it. All of these different questions that are incredibly relevant for anybody who's really building anything, in my opinion. Um, So, yeah, with that, I don't want to keep rambling on, but uh, I think that you'll really enjoy um, the conversation. I certainly did. and it's one of those ones that you'll you know you'll take out your notepad or something and and jot down um a few things that erica had to to share um, as they're incredibly valuable so with that enjoy Hi Erica welcome to the show
1: hi it's great to be here
0: yeah
2: absolutely so uh for the listeners who are coming in um you know the branded podcast is obviously about brands but something that we've Discovered is that um, something that's core to brands are products, and something that's core to products is this idea of you know uncovering or identifying a profound human uh, insight and you know that's what I would really love to frame this discussion around to to sort of understand uh, the quest um, to uncover uh, profound human insight so the first question is can you sort of tell me about how you got to learn? The art and science of uncovering uh, insight through, um, you know, research, design, research, and etc. Uh,
3: yeah, well, I think it all started, you know, way, way, way back in college because uh, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do, so I went to a liberal arts school and uh, I started studying languages, and then, uh, then I found the philosophy department just randomly through an elective. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting uh, because philosophy is all about asking questions and forming arguments and coming up with hypotheses uh, to explain things about the world and coming up with uh, systems of thought to sort of guide decision-making and kind of frame this reality that we're all sort of drifting through. And, and then, you know, I also, uh, was pretty interested in technology and, uh, you know, it was one of those kids who like got a computer and started to learn how to code a little bit for fun when I was a kid. And so then when I graduated, I found the internet and I said, well, this is cool. And, uh, and talked my way into a a web job. And then uh, from there, I got into uh, client services and consulting, and I thought, well, this is really, really fun. And the first agency I worked at, I had the good fortune to work at one that was really uh, research-based. And it was a really smart, like cross-disciplinary, holistic way of working that I found out afterwards was kind of unusual, but I was introduced to the idea then, and this was like way, way back in 1998, that design was core to business strategy and that Mm -hmm. understanding the world and especially understanding people, your users and your customers, was critical to creating products building brands, um, and doing anything really meaningful. And so I was just really fortunate that I had this path uh, where uh, I started out like where I really feel like my career was starting, was really based in that. And then I was able to draw on a lot of um, the work I'd done in philosophy, uh, Mm. and it all kind of came together. And so it turned out that what I thought was the least useful a liberal arts degree turned out to be incredibly, incredibly useful to, to my work. Since that,
2: hmm. so I guess the next place I want to take this is just to focus on that the the thing that you said there about business strategy um, a second ago, and sort of understanding the world. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it, there's this question in my mind of who, right? Um, like uh, who who is um, like uh, who, All the insight that we are uncovering or the um, the sort of the needs, I guess, for lack of a better phrase, um, maybe we can talk about um, (laughs) it, that we're we're identifying. uh, Who is it for? Right. Um, Who are the stakeholders? Right. And I know that in your book, Just Enough Research, there's this idea of internal research. So sort of like the research before the research in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would just love for you to discuss that and, and what are your thoughts there?
3: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's the part of uh, the research I think that designers and people working on products and people working with brands really, really overlook. And so a lot of times I get referred to you know, as a, a user researcher or my book as a user research book, but that part where you take those exact same methodologies and those exact same skills, and you turn them inward on your organization, whether you're working in house or working with a client. So really understand who are those people and how do they make decisions? Because you need to understand that if you're ever going to take insights from outside in the world and have those insights influence the decisions of an organization, you have to understand the organization first. And this is a place Mm. where a lot of designers and researchers end up really stuck and they're not sure why, you know, because they say, well, we did all this research and we got all these insights and they're being ignored by the leadership. Mm. What do I do? And it's like, well, uh, did you find out what's important to the people making the decisions? Did you find out what's meaningful to them? Did you find out, what their habits are, right? Because we all run on habits. Mm -hmm. We all worry about um, our social standing, our social status, our relationships to each other. Like everybody working uh, inside an organization trying to influence customers or users out in the world knows that about people out in the world. But somehow it's like you talk to your colleagues, your coworkers, and you kind of forget that oh, everybody here—we're all just people too who operate in the exact same
1: way.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's that makes me really think about this um, <laughs> sort of Mungerism. Uh, this Charlie Munger character, uh, <laughs> who, who you know, always—I guess one of the things that he says is that all the behaviors that you see are the results of the incentives that you don't.
3: Yes, that's such a good quote. I haven't heard that one before yeah so good,
2: yeah yeah, I think about that quite often, and that you just made me think about it right there. Um, and so but the, the next thing that goes to, that I think about is, um, uh, like I, I have certainly overlooked this in the wor- like the work that I have been doing, um, and it's something that I certainly need to do more of. But then the thing that next, like, comes to mind for me is what type of research is the right research to do? Right. Because I guess the question, the overarching question sort of informs the method. Um, and within the context of, uh, I guess, organizational research, is there a sort of constant question, research question that in your mind informs the the method that you would uh, go about to understand your organization? So, for example, it's maybe talking to the executives one on one or is it a survey, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Uh, Yeah, I'd say it all starts from, you know, as you said, that question, and the most important question is, how, like, what's the, what are the most important goals? Like, what are the business goals and priorities? What are the requirements? What are our constraints? And how do people here make decisions? Like, you have to understand that, because that's very idiosyncratic, and it's often very, like, not totally rational. You know, everybody in business, Wants to think of themselves as a very rational decision maker. Same thing. Everybody who works with technology, I'm so rational, but people really aren't. And so you have to start with like, well, what do I need to know? And based on that, and then who, like, who are the people that I need to know things about? Uh, that guides uh, what techniques you use. Like sitting down with people one on one, and just asking them to uh, like talk about their work, and what makes them feel successful, and who they communicate with. Uh, Just having that really general conversation, like even if you think you know that, hearing it from their perspective, that's often the most powerful research method, to just go and, and get somebody in a place where they're really comfortable, you know, like, so it might be, uh, for some people you work with, it, it might be most comfortable to just get a coffee and talk to them. Or if it's somebody who's like higher up in leadership, you might need to make it more formal. And then they feel comfortable like, oh, I'm here to hear your vision. And, mm. and you just frame it in that way that will get them to really open up to you. And then sometimes you I mean, you can do something like a questionnaire if you just want to get a sense um, from people throughout the organization of questions to ask and ideas to pursue and there are a lot of people and you want to give people a chance to weigh in that that should only be sort of a either a compliment to talking to people one on one or something you do in advance that can be a really useful technique to kind of send questions out to people in advance to say oh like what are what are your concerns and um or uh like who do you talk to things like that to to get that started like who do you think that It's most important for us to talk to. Where do you see their blocks? And uh, and the other thing about this is you have to, um, you just have to let people know how the information is going to be used and that you won't rat people out because that's what people are worried about is always like, how is this information going to be used? Like they always picture something like office space where the consultants come in and it's like, oh, you're talking to me uh, because you're going to eliminate my job. Mm. Uh, That that's always the concern that like we've faced going in to work with these organizations and we say okay Well, we're going to go in our we're going to talk to people and we have to be very clear to say okay We're going to ask you some very general questions about your job because we want to make sure that whatever we design or recommend Fits in with how you work and we want to understand that Yeah, everything you tell us uh, If if we share it, it's going to be anonymized uh, and, and and really give them a sense of why we're doing it and how it's going to be used because people can get really, especially if you're in a very political organization, which becomes clear very quickly, people get really concerned that they're going to share something which is then going to be used against them. So you got to be careful of that.
2: Hmm. Now, taking a step outside of the organization, um, yeah, so going from sort of internal to external, This again, this question of of who uh, makes me think about the audience, uh, mm-hmm. the, the target, uh, and often, especially when talking about brands, but also um, when talking about products, uh, there is this sort of distinction between the ideal target uh, and then who's actually using your product. Yeah, um, and these this that, that sort of uh, that delta between, um, and I'm curious about how you think about targets when it comes to research and like who do you talk to because you know you have the people who are actually using your product the people who you want to use your product um, etc so yeah how do you, how do you think about that
3: well it really starts from clarity about your business model or uh, how what your brand needs to do to support your business and that will tell you you know okay what would make us successful? Because you know what has to happen to like generate revenue for your, your business or, or generate awareness or do whatever. So that clarity, you have to have that clarity around what makes your business successful before you can decide who to talk to. Uh, cuz we've worked with organizations who come in and they they say oh i don't they say oh my audience is everybody my user base is everybody my target's everybody cuz it's general and that's not really true right that means mm-hmm. that they they haven't done the work to figure it out so once you get a sense of oh here's where we're really providing value to people then you can think well who are the people who are most likely to need that and sometimes uh you can really start out more general, because sometimes your first question is, is our audience who we think our audience is? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really easy to get really internal facing and to get very, like you said, like you might have an audience that's aspirational, that somebody thinks sounds like your audience. And then once you do research, you find out that, um that, Oh yeah, those people aren't, uh, aren't our audience at all. It's kind of like, you know when uh, atms were first introduced the idea was like oh the atms are, are going to keep the riffraff out of the branch so that we can serve our high net worth customers and then it turned out that the people with the most money had the least time and those were the people who are most excited to never set foot in a branch again
2: wow then, no i didn't know that wow
3: yeah it's a, it's a fat, it's a great story reading about that cuz that's a great model of a technology being introduced. Cause we don't, I mean, they're so ubiquitous. You don't even think, Oh, there was a time before ATMs where you could only get cash when the bank was open. Like yeah. that was reality. Yeah. So banks thought like, Oh, we have these people coming in who have $5 in their checking account. And they're taking up all our time. They can go use the ATM. And then what happened was they introduced these machines and it was still the people who had all the free time in the world and like no money and complicated questions who were coming into the branch. But, uh, it, it all worked out. Uh, so yeah, so maybe the first thing you do is, oh, we're just going to talk to some people to kind of test our assumptions and um, and then figure out who we should be talking to. Or you do something like a segmentation study to understand, well, who is our audience? And then you can go deeper in with those people. And, um, and you always have to just be sort of talking to people out in the world, because it's really easy to get out of touch, like, I don't know if you saw the news, like this just happened in the last couple of days. days. Um, like a- at and I guess owns HBO, which was a thing I wasn't too clear about, but uh, he uh, was speaking to a journalist or right at some event and he said that Netflix doesn't have a brand.
1: <laughs> okay.
3: So like the guy now running <laughs> HBO, is so unfair <laughs> because, yeah, like you're laughing, I'm laughing. Netflix has an incredibly strong brand, yeah. Like, apparently, this dude has never heard the phrase Netflix and chill, right? It's yeah, HBO. <laughs> so there's an issue, and that's because he doesn't, like, apparently talk to anyone ever
1: <laughs>
3: yeah. in the world, yeah. So yes, sometimes people people worry too much before they go out and do any research about. Oh, we have to talk to just the right people, and it's like, wow, just talk to some people out in the world because that will teach you some things, and then you can think, okay, well, who uh, who should we really be going deep on to like learn things about them?
2: I think that's a sort of a beautiful segue because um, I now want to sort of talk about. Uh, methods in a way, um, and the questions that we ask and the different types of questions. But I think you bringing up um, uh, this uh, HBO uh, CEO is is a great, um, as I said, a great segue because there's this notion of bias, right? And that comes with the inside view of being inside and so familiar with a product or a brand or an organization that you're out of touch with the outside world. Yeah. Um, and because we have these biases, and doesn't matter how smart you are like the the human brain is just this is how we are sort of wired in a way um so with that like the the methods um that we or you or every anybody who does um you know research or design research uh does um so sort of what are we doing can you can you sort of take me through um the process, like the ideal process in a way, if if mm-hmm. that exists, of the methods uh, that you use and how it goes from methods, which in some sense would gather raw data. And then there seems to be, at least from my perspective, and when I do a lot of uh, research or user research, it, it, it there's this black box of analysis that comes out yeah. in insights, right? And then yeah. the insight is turned into something that has to be shared. Um, And for me, it's a very muddled process. So I'm Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if it's a little bit more clear for you.
3: Yeah. Uh, So I think the first the first place to get clarity is just on the underlying research process itself in the abstract. Because a lot of times people want everybody wants a method. Everybody wants a a recipe that they can just follow and say, "Oh, if we just go through these steps." every time or do this thing if we just always do surveys or always do interviews or oh now it's jobs to be done that's our one thing we have to do so we learn things and you have to set that aside and say okay if you're doing a research process that means you're figuring out what your question is you're doing something the activity the method to answer the question and then you're analyzing the results and you have to do those three steps and the one that is the most often neglected is being really clear about what you need to know. And that's based on what's your goal. So you have to start clear business goal, or maybe your research is, oh, we have to figure out what our business goal is. But you have Mm -hmm. a clear business goal. And then you say, okay, what information are we lacking? Okay, then you come up with your highest priority question. And I'd say, that's the place. If you don't do that with enough rigor, that's especially where the analysis gets fuzzy at the end. And people think about like, oh, you know, a, a, the question is just what I'm going to ask the customer. But that's not it because you can't ask people things directly that you want to know. Like the, the most, right. like the most common marketing research question is how likely are you to do something? Like how likely are you to recommend this to a friend? How likely are you to buy a car in the next six months? No right. one can answer that question, right? right? So you can't ask that directly. So you say, okay. I want to know how likely it is for people to make this purchase, for this set of people to make this purchase. That's a fine research question, but you can't pose that directly. And then you say, okay, if we want to know how likely somebody is to do something, the best way to find that out is to ask them about what they have done in the past and what's motivated that behavior. Hmm. So then your question is, oh, we want to know how likely this population of people is to buy a new car and then you say okay so let's talk to people in this population about their buying habits in general about their transportation habits about their car purchasing habits about those of their friends and then based on that and then you can also use quantitative data from you know the industry and then taken together then you say okay we talked to uh you know 20 people uh, who live in these three cities? Uh, about their purchase habits, and we want to know, uh, you know, we want to see the patterns that will indicate um, the propensity to purchase a car, right? So, if you have that clear question going into it, then when you have the data, then you can say, okay, let's let's look for patterns that that indicate like likelihood to purchase or times when they make a purchase or or ways they communicate all this stuff or like marketing messages they're exposed to. And then out of that, that's when you get the insights is when you take that clear question and you apply it to the data you've collected. And that's when you say, okay, well here are some things people have said about the purchase process. And then you can kind of map out the purchase process and understand what conditions might make somebody more or less likely to make a purchase. Mm. And and I think so when you sort of end up, because what happens a lot of times is teams will get together and they'll say like, Oh, we did all these interviews. And now we're just going through these interviews and yeah, what are we, how are we supposed to get insights out of it? Um, And you have to go into it with that clear question And then you kind of arrange, then you hear like, oh, then we see these patterns of behavior emerge. And it's always important to do that analysis, that qualitative analysis, I think, in a group, because that helps decrease the bias of interpretation. So you can really say, okay, is this really a pattern? Like we heard these like 10 similar quotes from these different people. What do we really, what pattern of behavior is that? Or what does that indicate? And then you can say, okay, what other questions does this, Research we we've, we've done raised because you should always be like sort of chaining it like that to say okay mm. what we we have some confidence about this but then we've understood that there are other areas we don't understand and it's that continuous learning because I think too often pressure really gets put on that one round of analysis because it's like that's it we're doing it now and if we don't learn everything and get all the insights out of this well that was our one chance to learn we're done done learning.
2: Hmm. yeah yeah i mean i yeah i see that in my own work like quite a bit uh actually so it makes a lot of sense um although one question i do have is uh you you tend to say research question um as like a singular thing whereas um often uh I see that there are like research questions, uh, like maybe three or four. Uh, Is that in your mind um, not ideal to have more than one research question when going into uh, conduct uh, research or I guess decide on the method most appropriate?
3: Um, No, I mean, you can have a few, but you should really think about it like, oh, we have this like sort of primary objective guiding it. But you can definitely have um, have multiple questions. Uh, for example, like we, we did some research at the end of the year with a client that was really interested in people's uh, travel habits. And mm-hmm. they had, so they started with a, a hypothesis about how people made a particular type of vacation decision. And we had questions about, um, uh, what made somebody more or less likely to spend money on their vacation? We also had a question that was, uh, what, um, what influenced somebody's choice of lodging and, um, and what influenced how much money people spent on activities, for example, like those, um, those were under the umbrella of our objective is we want to really understand how people make travel decisions in a certain area. And then we had a few related, I'd say like sub-questions like that. And and we did yeah. get those answered because they were all kind of related. Because um, right. they all sort of uh, laddered up to this idea of like, oh, we were really trying to understand how people plan for and make these related travel decisions. So as long as it's in a related area, yeah, you can find out multiple things. Because you know there was also a question about, Oh, what does um, having children with you, how does that change how you plan and um, and spend money on travel? And we we got some answers to that as well. So you definitely can have um, multiple questions, uh, but it's just uh, that. Yeah, that just goes into the planning. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's totally possible. Um, as long as, uh, you know, they're not, they're all kind of related sufficiently.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Okay. Now it's something you bring up there, uh, hypothesis. Um, and I'm curious about the distinction between, you know, uh, hypothesis, a research question, um, and I guess the method that you choose and the questions that are associated with that um, method. H- how do you sort of, um, uh, express this to, I guess, clients or um, maybe people who are not as familiar with uh, the distinction okay. between these uh, key things?
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. It all depends on um, uh, what sort of like there is a great uh, Wall Street Journal piece that had this quote, all business is a bet placed on human behavior. Which is mm. one, of, one of my favorite quotes. And that's often a great place to start the conversation with a client or a, a business that, that isn't totally bought into research. And you're like, well, what we're doing is we're placing bets of like resources, you know, time and money and people on aspects of, of the business in the hope that the customer behavior and behavior in the world rewards that. And so mm-hmm. we just have to be confident. To make the decisions when we're placing these bets, um, and so sometimes uh, a client or an organization will will have a hypothesis their business is kind of based on, um, you know, like for example, they might have a hypothesis that like, uh, you, you know, people. Uh, here's one like people who uh, recently graduated from college are. Um, Uh, are going to be really into meal kits if you look at a lot of startups uh, and this is a big difference between startups and more mature businesses a lot of startups are just a funded hypothesis Uh, whereas um, a business that's like up and running will kind of have questions about like oh is there a new opportunity in this different market we haven't gone into we don't know but any startup will say like I bet I bet that this is really going to turn into a business. And then they get, like, literally, that's how venture capital works. If if they're like, okay, I'm going to place $1 million on on this horse in in this race. Like, that's really literal. And that'll be more of a hypothesis. Or Mm. something might come up with a hypothesis, and they're like, oh, I have an idea that this could be a good business opportunity, as opposed to maybe you're more open, and you're like, I, I want to learn where our existing customers might be having problems where we might be underserving them. Or they might not, like, how aware are our customers of this particular other offering we have, for example. That mm-hmm. might just be a question as opposed to a hypothesis. Like, your hypothesis might be, like, I suspect that our existing customers don't actually know we offer this other service. That could be a hypothesis that leads to research. Mm. But then your question is, how aware are existing customers of this service we offer?
1: Mm.
3: And then based on that, you could, like, maybe you survey customers. Maybe you talk to a sample of customers. Um, maybe you observe people. Um, if you have a, a website where you offer your various services, maybe you... Uh, do sort of a a, a watching uh, that your existing customer, you know, you're like, oh, we're going to screen share. And I want to watch you like using our service and see if you ever encounter this other service that that we want to upsell you to. So there are many ways of doing that, depending on what you need to know, and like time Mm -hmm. and budget, um, have a lot to do with it, because there are many ways to answer questions there's no one right way it's all going back to what gives you enough confidence to place the kind of bet you're going to place on it so it's like oh are we changing like a small like piece of text in a little area of an app or a site or are we funding a new program in our company to the tune of 30 million dollars like those are very different bets and you should do different levels of information gathering depending on what the size of bet you're placing on uh,
1: your idea?
2: Hmm. I like I like that phrase information gathering. Um, and so, my next question is when? When? When does does research fit into the process of? Um, I guess both product creation and um, business analysis to a certain degree, or mm-hmm. business strategy to a certain degree. So, um, yeah, w- when when does this research fit in to the that process um, how and yeah, how does it fit in or how is it different in the different stages if there are different stages in your mind?
3: Oh yeah, there, there are different stages. There's like the, we don't know if there's a a, a thing, you know, what know if it's a thing that's usually called like generative research, like, oh, we're looking for some ideas and then mm-hmm. there's, oh, we kind of have an idea but we really want to dive into like how people do this thing, for example, like uh, how do people plan travel, something like that. And then the next stage is, okay, we've come up with like either a, a prototype uh or some other representation of our solution, and we're going to test that. That's like the next stage uh, and then of course, there's like, oh, we launched it, and now we're we're learning things through um you know people interacting with it out in the world in an ongoing basis, like sort of like doing the the analytics um yeah post-launch and and stuff like that and measuring um, how well it's actually working is like the last stage Um, and uh, oh gosh so what was your question so oh oh when should you be doing it so uh, so you should always like always always be gathering up information uh in in general, and organizations just need to be set up to be continuously learning in the same way that they're continuously, you know, building software or continuously uh, marketing and communicating with prospective customers. The informing that process should be just as continuous. And I think the research gets this reputation for being um, a really expensive, time-consuming diversion just because it hasn't been integrated into every other aspect of the operation as it should be. But the, the way to pace it and the way to start is to just look and say, okay, what decisions are we making? You always have to go back to who's making what decisions in the organization. And it's like, okay, if you just take every one of those decisions and say, every one of those represents a bet that we're placing, Um, and we need confidence to place the bet, okay, what are we going to make that decision based on? Um, It could be pre-existing knowledge. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to go out and learn new things all the time. You just have to make sure that you're very clear and honest about how you're making decisions. And a a lot of people in a lot of organizations make decisions based on what they refer to as their intuition or their gut feeling And and that could be experience, but it could also be what you hope is true. It could be confirmation bias. And so it's just a matter of taking a moment to say, okay, we're going to make this decision. What sources of information are we going to use? Is it going to be, you know, quantitative, qualitative? Is it going to be past product performance? Is it going to be looking at competitors? And you can figure this out really fast as long as you have A clear, honest conversation about it. Like it doesn't have to take a lot of time. Usually, it's the fact people are uncomfortable with exposing their ignorance about a topic, or uncomfortable with the idea that their pet solution might be proven wrong. That's why they don't want to do the research. But if you're just in a place of we're really clear on our goals, and we we definitely want to be proven wrong fast before we go to market, before we launch something that um that doesn't work out like going back to netflix i don't know if you remember like god maybe this was like 10 years ago or something like that when they split um their they split their cd's from their streaming and they had another name that was like quickster or something this was like mm-hmm. the netflix mistake and they rolled this out mm-hmm. and everybody was just angry cuz they they had this completely disingenuous um a description they said oh we're making it easier for people by splitting the streaming service and the mailing cd service into two separate brands and two separate like accounts and yeah. everybody like the response was immediate and it's like hey guys did you not do your research about that because that was pretty bad yeah
1: mm-hmm.
3: um and now of course netflix is a giant incredibly successful company that's taken over the world so they yeah. recovered from that
1: Yeah.
2: Now, um, you know, design and pretty much everything, in my opinion, really, is is just because the world sort of in nature, I guess, sort of works like this is this interconnection of everything. This like multidisciplinary um, outlook in a way. And I'm curious as to when you look into the world or you look to other people or other disciplines. How do you see research uh, fitting in or where would you direct other researchers or I I don't want to put anybody in a box to say someone Mm -hmm. is just a researcher, just a designer or something. Um, I guess someone interested in other people. um, Where would you advise them or where have you gone to seek inspiration about how to learn better, how to ask better questions, how to interpret data better? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. like What are some of those other disciplines that you look to?
3: Uh, like the other disciplines I mean medicine's always a good one
1: mm. uh, um you know and and just anything uh a, about like scientific research
3: is really interesting um because it it like uh there's a whole there's a whole level of like how um pure like bias creeps into pure research and stuff like that. Um, that, uh, that gets in there. But, um, you know, read a lot of science fiction. I think it, it's just a matter of being broadly curious about the world. It's mm. just because you never know. You never know where you're going to get an insight. Like, of course, you have a process. This, this, this process where, like, oh, I'm going to have business goals and questions and stuff like that. But a lot of times, uh, a lot of great companies have started just with an insight from people constantly observing the world. Because all you know, people talk about creativity, all creativity is, is making novel connections among things that exist in the world. So you have to know what exists in the world and you, the more you know about the world, the more likely it is that you'll figure out how to connect things in an interesting, valuable way. And so the idea that you would be a designer of any description or a technologist and not look at what people are doing and what's going on in the world constantly and not be curious about that is like so strange because you can't like, like there are so many companies here that are supposed to be, you know, very innovative technology companies having a lot of new ideas. And like everybody stays in the same building all day. These companies have really um, lavish cafeterias where they have free food and people hang out with people who are in their same social class, in their same culture, often like their same background and they don't even leave the building to like go to a hot dog stand in the middle of the day. And they're supposed to have insight and inspiration and great creative genius ideas about the world. It's like, Go walk around your town.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Put your
3: phone down. Talk to people about whatever. Like that, just having that mindset of I'm curious about the world and I could learn something as long as, you know, again, keeping those questions. If you have, like, oh, here's the thing I kind of need to know for my employer, for my client. If you always have that good research question in your head, then Mm -hmm. you can learn everything you encounter in the world through that question, you could be riding the subway to work and be like, oh, wow, I noticed something and I'm going to, I'm going to follow that thread a little bit. And it just makes everything more interesting. Like if you have a research mindset, any annoying, um, is so much more interesting. Like you're stuck in line and you're like, am I in a line? Why are these other people in a line? How could they redesign this flow for there not to be a line? Um, Mm. You know, it just, just having that view on the world, like, oh, this remote makes no sense. And then imagine the meeting, like anytime you're encountering any sort of frustrating product or something that just seems dumb, it's so fun to play the imagine the meeting game where you're like, how, well, who thought this was a good idea? How did, because did, designers, you know, it's probably, it probably wasn't like somebody probably had a good idea at one point and then the decisions and the information were bad and they decided to launch this other thing because um, they got lazy or they had a partnership or uh, they had to rush it out. You know, having that just constantly sort of running in the back of your head makes everything about life like a hundred times more fun.
2: I I couldn't agree more. Um, Now, my my sort of last question for you is, is, um, I guess a simple one, but also... Hard at the same time, (laughs)
1: Uh,
2: which is um, you know I'm I'm deeply interested in and curious about um, uh, newer I guess technologies or startups Um, and often there's a lot going on maybe there's a lack of vision sometimes um, and or maybe a lack of research question Um, but I'm curious as to if you have let's say you know five people four people starting something new. Um, and wanted to have research as a fundamental uh, role in the creation of whatever it is that they're building. Uh, what would you tell them to do? Um, not not in a prescriptive way, but just you know, uh, here's my advice. What would you t- sort of say to them?
3: Yeah, I'd say just um, be really uh, like agree at the beginning to look outside themselves for information and just talk like make it a practice to talk to people who are not like themselves even like setting aside some time to talk to people and I know a lot of early stage companies do this for like oh we talk to customers um, yeah every week but it can get kind of really narrow because people are just going through the motions but just like set aside time to have that discussion among yourselves of what don't we know? What could we be missing? And if you Mm. just build that discipline in when you're small, then if you do grow quite large, if you already have that ethos of we value people, we are curious and open-minded, we're always looking for new opportunities. If you have that as part of your team, when you're three, four, five people, it's a lot easier to perpetuate that as you grow and grow as opposed to have an idea that's successful and then all of a sudden you hit a cliff because you weren't paying attention or you're like oh now we've got to bolt on a research practice or something like that and everybody's already used to like doing whatever they want for no good reason other than seniority or something like this happens but if you just say like okay once a week we're going to set aside time maybe not even do any sort of research activity but just be really clear about what, what else do we need to know? Let's take a moment away from building. And that can be really hard because research, unlike other aspects of design and building and producing artifacts, can be an invisible process. And it's yeah. uncomfortable because you're asking questions. And that can feel like time away from building or time away from selling it can feel like, oh, it's a waste of time. But if you just like put it on your calendar and have that discipline and say, we're going to ask ourselves really honestly, what else do we need to know? What could we be missing? Um, Are there other people we should be talking to? Could we improve our information gathering and have that reflection? You know, the way that people in, you know, you do like a, a sprint and you have a retrospective, it's the same way. It's sort of like, oh, we're learning. Let's look back and say, how did, how did that research go? How did those interviews go? How did that, how is our whole usability testing process going? But people run to prototype and test and don't take time for reflection. And just like Mm. if you build in that time for reflection and just hold it sacred, um, that'll put you in a much better position to not be blindsided by things happening out in the world.
2: Mm. Wow, beautiful, beautiful place to end. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for for taking the time. That was like really, really great. I really uh, enjoyed it.
3: Oh yeah, great! I'm always always happy to talk about this stuff.
2: Cool. Um, is there uh anywhere that people should uh, look out for you, or would you like them to check you out? Um, on the yeah. web? Yeah, I mean, I'm
3: on Twitter too much. Little <laughs> girl, all the time. I know, but but I usually talk to people about stuff. I like. I have like a functional, happy little corner of like design, research, and technology Twitter. I'm real happy with. And then I I write a lot of stuff on Medium. So those are probably the the best places to
1: uh, see my stuff.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time. And uh, hopefully we'll hear from you again.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Awesome.